Welcome to My Time, My Life with Trinette Faint. On this season of my podcast, I'll be talking to a variety of people, from creative entrepreneurs to business owners to writers to entertainers and others, about being bold and courageous, overcoming obstacles, and taking risks, all in the name of chasing dreams and building a career. I hope their stories will inspire you on your own journey. Thanks for listening. My guest today is actress, writer, director, and producer, Stephanie Catherine Grant. Stephanie Catherine starred for 10 seasons as Emmy Mursky on ABC's long-running hit comedy, The Goldbergs, and was awarded the Young Artist and Young Entertainer Awards for her work on the show. She can also be seen in standout roles on Starz's Survivor's Remorse and Criminal Minds. In addition to her TV work, Stephanie Catherine starred in the Cannes hit Max Rose playing the granddaughter of the legendary Jerry Lewis. Stephanie Catherine is also co-founder of Harris Grant Productions alongside her brother, actor Michael Grant. Harris Grant's latest film, Kepley, starring Emmy nominee Elizabeth Mitchell and Aaron Stanford, screened at renowned festivals around the world. For her work on Kepley, Stephanie Catherine and Michael were awarded the Best Director at the Tokyo International Film Festival and Best Film at the Montreal Independent Film Festival. Other Harris Grant films have played in acclaimed festivals such as Cannes, Calgary, Flickers, Rhode Island, and L.A. Shorts. The production house has also directed and produced numerous fashion campaigns, including brands Brandy Melville and Jay Lindbergh. Hi, Stephanie Catherine. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. Well, it's very impressive. My goodness, you have <laughs> such experience, such a resume for someone on the younger side of the scale, I will say. <laughs> um, super impressed. Thank you. I, um, yeah, I don't, I, I try and be humble about it. I, 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 I don't, like to ever I don't usually think to myself oh my goodness I've done this or that I just kind of try and keep taking the next step I like that I like that so uh tell us like when did you begin your acting career so I started at a pretty young age I started around the age of nine um mm -hmm. was when my family um and of course my mom um and myself and my brother Michael moved to LA um but before that I was in you know like local like acting classes back home um mm -hmm. and you know we came out for um a few months just to sort of try and see what would happen and and yep. you know my mom immediately put us in acting classes because um you know she knew that we needed to be you know trained properly and then we had right. several agency meetings and you know ended up getting an agent pretty soon um almost right off the bat and then booked my first guest star on Criminal Minds pretty soon after that and got my SAG card. And then it was just kind of, that's amazing. it was just kind of progressed really naturally from there ever since. And where is back home? Where did you all move from? Tennessee. Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. How on earth did you convince your mother, you and your brother to, to pick up at such a young age and, and move to California? <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't that's a, a, that's a great acting right there. <laughs> I can't say I can't take full credit. It wasn't all me. And it was initially we were supposed to come like for three months. That was, it, it was like, we're gonna come for three months. 
go back by the end of the year. It was like September 2009. We were going to go back by the end of the year just to mm-hmm. see what happens. Okay, nice experience. You know, okay, we did it, went to LA. Um, but it was actually more of my brother. He's a, among being a very accomplished actor and director, he's also a, um, he grew up as a concert pianist. Okay. And um, yeah, and so he was actually referred by um, the professor that he was studying with um, back on the East Coast to USC. Okay. And so it, it kind of was like a, a natural kind of um, inflection point for us to come. And, you know, it was kind of if he didn't if he didn't have that referral, I don't think we would have maybe come at the time that we did, maybe later. Well, your life could have taken a completely different turn had you not come when you came. I mean, it sounds yeah. like your timing was spot on. Like you got into those classes and you found representation straight away and got booked. That is that is stratospheric compared to what a lot of people <laughs> who come to LA go through. So yeah, kudos, it's, kudos. yeah, thank you. And, and I have to give a big, um, a big thank you to my mom. I mean, who the entire time and even up until now is, is very involved and very supportive. And I cannot say that I, I do everything by myself. I mean, I have yeah. a lot of support. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, your mom sounds like a wonderful woman. Very lucky. <laughs> yes, yeah, I am. What were uh, some of the challenges you faced early in your career, like when you first got to, to L.A.? Or I guess even maybe before in Tennessee, I assume that you'd started acting sort of locally. Um, mm-hmm. Was there anything that was major obstacles that were, was tough to get over? Yeah, I think I think just the overall, um, you know, rejection and, and kind of I think what sometimes people that aren't in the industry don't realize is that it is a business, it's show yeah. business. Yeah. And I think that's, it's hard, especially for kids, you know, mm-hmm. even though I had incredible and still have incredible parents who were really guiding and shepherding like my whole career the whole time, it's still hard to, to go in and, you know, for instance, like I was up for um, a big pilot, um, you know, sort of soon after we first got here and it's you know it was intimidating to go in that big room with like 20 producers sitting behind the big desk and do the scene um then I ended up not getting it when I was like oh I was kind of crushed and I thought oh I really had it and um yeah so I think just that constant like the grind of it and Mm -hmm. and and trying to keep that positive attitude even when things were really rough and there were low points and times when like I didn't book anything for a long time or yeah. there were no auditions or I just felt like my work was kind of stale and the auditions weren't going well so I think just trying to like constantly work through that mm-hmm. um and kind of sort of break through those new barriers I think that's that's probably the most difficult and I, I assume that your mother was like super supportive and kept encouraging you to keep going because the rejection is so real in these businesses. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. very easy to, to give up and turn around and go back home yeah. and stuff. No, no, um, it is. It yeah. must have been very good to have, to have her there in your corner. No, no, it is. Going. It is. Yeah. I, I, as I look back on it now that I'm a bit older, I'm, I'm so much more grateful yeah. Um, than I was in the moment because I don't think I realized it. I'm like, okay, this is just sort of what is. But now I look back, I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't think I could have done half the things I was able to do um, like without her support day in and yeah. day out. Yeah. Oh, very sweet. <laughs> um, 
Has your acting career turned out to be, I guess, like how you envisioned when you were in Tennessee? Is this kind of like how you saw yourself, how it's turned out so far? You know, no, but I wouldn't go back and necessarily change anything. Mm -hmm. Like my, like my, I was a big, big, big Hannah Montana fan. That was just my show. I, I wanted to be Miley. I was just so, so into, so into Miley Cyrus and the show. And, um, and that was actually sort of part of how, um, the journey began that we came to LA is that, you know, my dad was doing some research and he found Miley's vocal coach in Nashville. And, you know, he said to my mom, oh, you know, she's having this big seminar. You should take Stephanie Catherine and, and go and, mm-hmm. you know, just see her, meet her. Um, and so we, we went to the seminar and, um, I think it was maybe seven at the time. And, you know, of course, like, we didn't know anything and we walk in and it was basically um, a big showcase for artists to get signed by record deals in ah. Nashville. And of course they're all like t- at least 25 years old and have all these great demos and amazing voices. And I show up at seven with, good, you know, my little dress and ready <laughs> to sing part of your world from little mermaid. And then <laughs> I, I was kind of nervous and, I get up on stage and of course my CD didn't work because at that time it was CDs. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm not so sure about this. And my mom was like, okay, let's just, it's okay. We came like, we'll just go home. Um, but then the vocal coach, Renee uh, Grant Williams, her name is, she came up to my mom at the end of the night and said, I want to see her, you know, meeting me in, in my studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that kind of began sort of one part of the journey um, to LA where I would, you know, I would train with her every week um, for, I think, about a year. And then she said, well, if you, you know, really want to pursue this and I think you have something, you know, L.A. is kind of the place, especially for kids. So that being a very long answer, (laughs) um, I I never thought in my wildest dreams that I would get to be on like Nighttime Network and especially Nighttime Network comedy. Yeah. But I it's been the most incredible experience. And I would not change a thing. So even though it wasn't what I was expecting or, or what I thought, it, it's it's really, it's been such a gift. Right, right. That's usually how these things turn out. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. an amazing experience, but you end up like kind of in some other space than you thought, but all right. still like super rewarding. Stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when did you form your production company with your brother? So we started Harris Grant in 2015. Okay. Um, you know, we started just by kind of like unofficially, we were, you know, we'd been on sets pretty much all our lives. And, you know, I'd gotten the opportunity to shadow um, some amazing directors on Goldbergs. And, um, you know, we both were always very much into film and, and also the structure mm-hmm. and kind of the craft of filmmaking. And so we just started with our own little, you know, kind of putting ourselves ourselves through um kind of a a mini film school i guess just on our own film study and and different cameras and making our own little like short films just him and i at home that kind of thing Mm -hmm. um and then in 2015 we came up with this idea for a short film Mm -hmm. it's kind of like neo-noir psychological thriller kind of short film and um you know we said to each other we're like okay well if if we're gonna do this let's do this professionally and 
you know, legitimately, like, you know, let's actually make a short film, not just something off an iPhone. Yeah. Um, and so we kind of took the leap and, and made the short film and we cast actors and Michael got, um, you know, his uh, filmmaker friends, this our amazing DP, and kind of got a whole crew together and we shot it over the course of one weekend in LA. Wow. Um, and then we just kind of sent it out to basically every festival that we could think of, not really yep. expecting anything. <laughs> we're like, we're not sure how this whole festival thing works because at that time we were just actors primarily. Yep. Um, and then surprisingly, it got into several like Oscar qualifiers and wow. it did really, it did really well at the festivals. Um, and we were kind of surprised, but then we said, okay, you know, I think, I think maybe we can actually do this like, yeah. legitimately alongside being actors. So that kind of gave us the confidence to, um, to go forward and, and sort of start the company in earnest and, and direct. And wow. Right. Um, did you guys uh, write it together or was one yes. of you the principal writer on it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And how was that process? Like, like actually creating the story together with someone because as a screenwriter myself uh you know I would I think I would have a hard time like expressing what's in my head to someone yeah. you know and trusting them to to sort of capture that but um it's pretty amazing that you and your brother were able to write that together yeah I think I think you kind of hit the nail on the head I think it is such a level of trust and um you know, kind of like mutual understanding that we have because, you know, when we came to LA, I was nine and he was 14. And so we both have sort of gone through similar experiences growing up in the industry and on shows and experiencing the highs and also low points of yeah. the business. And so um, there's really kind of a like an understanding and camaraderie between the two of us. And um, there's also just, I think, like a brutal honesty that that I really appreciate that I don't think I could like I wouldn't feel comfortable being that honest with someone that I didn't know as well as yeah. my own brother because like he has no problem saying to me like that idea was horrible never write yeah. that again he's and not like me tell vice you versa. what you want to hear he's gonna yeah tell you but the he's truth. gonna say the, the truth yeah and, and uh, I have no problem saying like Michael that was horrendous like that was stupid you know that kind of thing <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> even though I might like fight back in the moment I know that he's he's probably right and that was a stupid idea <laughs> <laughs> um but whereas I'm more kind of I think I'm, I lean into more of like the structure of the writing. Mm -hmm. um, he's more, you know, the visual um, person and very much into the cinematography and the cameras and lenses. Mm. So it's like, it's a really so you good balance, balance each other out. Yeah. 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 So are you good at writing by outline? Yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I I'd like to get people are, but <laughs> I, I really struggle with that. So it's, that's, a, I, I mean, I guess if you're into the structure, be. you can yeah. really architect something and then keep the story within those parameters and not veer off the tracks too much. Um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't used to be, I, I, I used to be a little more like, I've got this great idea and I've got this great idea. And then the car goes off a cliff and it, like all these kind of crazy things that Michael is good for, like, that doesn't, like, he asks a lot of questions, like, well, why does this character do this? And 
well, what makes them do that? And I'm like, because they do it. And he's like, because I get that, because they want to. Like, so it's kind of taught me to to um to really outline first and be really heavily outlined first yeah. before getting into into dialogue. Um, mm. Because anytime we've tried to go backwards, it doesn't work. I know some people can just sort of write stream of consciousness and just yep. the script is beautiful the first time it's typed on the page, but we we have to really we have to really be very detailed. I have tried, you know, even when I'm writing a novel to write by outline, but I swear to you something happens when I actually start to write <laughs> that something else will happen that is completely different from like what I've outlined and I'm like how is this happening? Like I spent all this time, you know, on this outline to, to keep the story in one place and the character totally decides they just want to go do something else. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'll get out of your way and <laughs> let you go do what you need to do. But I feel like that's the art of it too. Like, I feel like there there is a balance between having the structure, but then I, I think in the, those unexpected kind of, discoveries that's where the art and the magic is too you know i i feel like if a screenwriter is so tied down to it has to be this way it doesn't really allow mm -hmm. for much freedom mm -hmm. so it's it's mm -hmm. a delicate like it's a delicate balance there is magic in that whole discovery process uh sometimes i'll sit there down is. and i'll think okay this is what's gonna happen you know da, 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 da. i start writing and then other things just like start to happen and it just like flows like a, a a river, you know? And I'm like, wow, I had no idea. Like, where did that even come from? Like in my, in my head, in my consciousness, you know? But it is yeah. so liberating when that happens and to see um, or to experience like the actual creative process that comes like out of you. Like as my friend described it, like that's the muse, you it know, is. like when, you, when you've done yeah. the work and, you know, you you've made somewhat of an outline and stuff and you start to write and things start to happen. Like it's like kind of the spirit speaking through you. So. Yeah, it is. I feel like that's the hallmark of very strong character when the characters are just so clear that they yeah. just kind of, they just start living their life and then, and then yeah. you just kind of follow. Yeah. And they're <laughs> so real. Like, you know, I just finished, I was telling yeah. you, I finished writing my screenplay last night and uh, these people, this world you build, like, these are like real people. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I can see them. Like I'm in, I'm in their house. I'm in their car. Yeah. Like, this whole thing. And it, it feels like a disservice if they're not like given oxygen and like brought to life, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a really wonderful um, acting teacher several years ago and um, she kind of put like character work in a way that I'd never thought of before, but it was such a kind of light bulb moment. And she said, she's like, you know, our, our goal is from the acting perspective, but I think it applies to writing too. She's like, is to create a walking, talking human being. And I just thought that was so mm. profound because it seems so obvious, but I, I had never, I, I don't know, no one had ever put it in quite that way for me. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. yes, of course, it is about creating a walking, talking human being, not just like a character as some yeah. kind of out like idea out here that is just sort right. of untouchable. And it's kind of like on the other, you know, on the other side of the world. It's like, no, it's a tangible human person. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, really making these people 
so multidimensional. Like, you know, if you write something and, you know, whoever's reading it's like, well, why this or why that or something? And, you know, like creating all their motivations and like their backstories and their lives. And then you think about it, you're like, oh, wait a minute. Like I do things like motivated by X, Y, Z, whatever is in my life. And to, to create the, those fully formed people um, really does bring the story to life. And it's so much more challenging than I think people yeah. think it is. No, but, no, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. But it's like so rewarding. Like once you, once you get it down um, and see it, you're like, oh, wow, this is, a, this is an actual, like your coach is an yeah. actual like human being that you have created. So Because people, I feel like people are, they're complex. Like I don't. I don't always know why I make certain decisions that I wouldn't usually make. It's if there's just something I'm like, I don't know. I had a gut, I had a feeling. And I, I think that's what I certainly connect with when I see those types of characters and films um, on screen. And I'm sure you the same. Same, same, same. Uh, since you do a bit of everything, do you have like any preferences? Do you prefer acting, producing or directing? Or are they all equally as joyful, I guess, for you? <laughs> they I would yeah I would they're all joyful and, and and I don't mean that to be kind of like a cop-out answer but they they really are but I feel like I go through phases where one is I focus more heavily on one than the other mm-hmm. and so it's I feel like it's a constant kind of cycle through I feel like I'm not always doing all all of them all at the same time at full force I feel like there's yeah. times when I'm fully just immersed on the acting side of things and Mm -hmm. I'm working really heavily on a certain project with that and like the directing and writing that's kind of taking a back seat like we're developing something or you know in the run-up to filming one of our projects it's just like full-on director producer writer mode getting everything set and and doing all those rewrites and making sure every detail is you know in its proper place so um, I feel like there's kind of a constant um, rotation between between yeah. them all and and it kind of always keeps me busy with one of the things if something else is kind of taking a bit of a backseat which which I do enjoy it yeah. keeps things interesting yeah yeah never <laughs> bored that is for sure never bored. <laughs> um how do you stay motivated in such a fickle business like what what drives you to keep going I think the work Honestly, mm-hmm. you know, especially, and it, it is tiring. I, I will say that it's it's certainly hard work, and it's not easy to kind of keep powering through every day and and you know keeping the momentum going. Yeah. Um, especially in between projects, but I I will say I you know Michael and I both we we have a really strong desire just to keep um creating you know excellent projects and really creating great work and also growing ourselves personally and collectively um, just in our process and and in the stories we want to make so I think you know I also try and listen to where my mind and body are at as well and if mm. I need to take a little bit of a break I, I have not been so good at doing that in the past but more recently I, I've been trying to listen to those cues a little bit more and it's been because your body will tell you when it's ready to slow down a bit it does and when I've started to listen to that more recently um I found that the work is when I come back to it after a little break is so much better yeah and it's just so much more focused yeah um yeah 
it's important to wind down every now and then. It is. Sure. <laughs> uh, tell me, Stephanie, Catherine, what are you reading right now? I mean, I'm sure you're always reading scripts, but what else are you reading? I am actually not. I'm, I'm in a little bit of a book rut because I feel like I've started many books and then I sort of get focused on other things and I don't finish them. So I'm right now just, I'm on a big New Yorker kick, but of course I'm behind on them. So I have a stack like this thick of New Yorkers that just, they just constantly pile on like, Ooh, this is a cool article. Oh, this is a cool AR. I should read that. Um, And then I kind of thumb them down. And and then they just keep stacking up. So um, and they come so quickly, don't they? You go to the they mailbox. Do. You know, like, I, I haven't even been able to open the last one. Here's another one. Exactly right. They come yeah. so quickly. Yeah, yeah. It makes me feel like I'm losing. You know, it does. I don't know who can. I I really applaud anybody that keeps up with the New Yorkers no. every week. I mean, honestly, I don't know how they do it. They must have a lot of time because yeah, some of the yeah. articles are kind of long. They're they're very long. <laughs> um, a trick that I have implemented with the New Yorkers specifically is just finding one article in each yeah. issue that I would want to read. That That's takes smart. A, yeah. a lot of the pressure off because. Previously, you know, I was trying to get through, let's say, four of them, right? Yeah. So many. And I just couldn't do it. And I just yeah. felt like a loser, you know? It's like, oh, there's a, another one I'm not, <laughs> not getting through. You know, let me just read the cartoons, right? Yeah. But- no. <laughs> this part, though, I always try and come up with my own, like, quotes for the <laughs> yeah. for the ones that it's like, oh, submit your, uh, submit your caption. <laughs> and it's like... Like the one that was from three months ago. <laughs> I submitted one of those once. I thought it was very good. If anybody from the New Yorker is listening, I'm very disappointed you guys didn't reach out. It was <laughs> it was one of a man, and he looked like he was pregnant. Oh. You know, and you know, caption this sort of thing. Yeah, probably like ten years ago. Yeah, and my caption was, "It's called the Fatkins." <laughs> without the guilt or something like the Atkins type, but like the fact that's pretty funny actually i know i, I know that being one of it the top is three. yeah it was good and i thought about that for like a long time and i was i was so confident i was like oh this is definitely gonna be i got nothing no that would be one of my dreams just i mean unrelated to anything is just to be one of like the top three finalists picked for one of those weekly cartoons that would be really cool yeah and the ones that win you're like wow that's good they are good good. they are good i don't know how people think of this stuff sometimes i don't know yeah yeah i'm jealous i'm jealous too (laughs) (laughs) well take pressure off yourself try to get through one article and start yeah one one at a time i think the last one that i read was from probably may of this year which i know everyone's like it's december like i know (laughs) i know (laughs) Well, what, back in the day when I used to be able to read them much more quickly, um, I was living in New York and I was on the subway all the time. And oh, that yeah. was great because it's like such a great, yeah. you know, huge way to pass the time. And this was before, you know, everybody was on their phones so much and distracted by other things like podcasts. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's such an informative way to pass the time too. Like you're not just staring at Instagram, you're actually reading. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what piece of music? inspires you oh my goodness that's such a good question there's so there's so many I mean I'm 
I'm a huge jazz person. I I love John Coltrane and Miles Davis, and mm. um, I mean, I'm just big, big into jazz. So I feel like anytime I want to get um, inspired, there's um, oh my goodness, what is the name of it? It's called I think it's called In a Sentimental Mood, and it's I think it's Duke Ellington and yeah. I think John Coltrane, mm-hmm. and that piece is just it's just so profoundly at least to me profoundly melancholy but also joyful and hopeful i i don't know there's just something about that mm. piece that i feel like tells such a rich story um and i i always put that on every time i i feel like i need you know to get my head in a more creative space from feeling How like how did I'm you in a get rut. into jazz like that i mean i would have never expected that answer from you like actually no one has said something like that on this podcast anyway oh i'm surprised yeah but i i love your 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 description and your yeah reaction to it like it, it's great it's great yeah i i i don't know you know my family asks the same thing because they're not into jazz at all they're sometimes kind of annoyed by it yeah. <laughs> they're like what if they say something <laughs> I don't really know. I think I was much younger and I think it came up and everyone's going to laugh at me for saying this, but it came up on my Pandora. (laughs) You don't have Spotify? I do now. (laughs) 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 It was on a like Pandora mix maybe like eight years ago. And um, I just started, I'm like, this is fantastic. And I just started educating myself and, and researching and just like listening to all these different jazz albums and i just loved it to chet baker i haven't i have not there's an album called um uh broken wing okay that i have a feeling that you would love i love that album (laughs) but i gotta say my favorite jazz album is the vince guaraldi uh charlie brown christmas album it is is yeah it's it's underrated. I feel like people yeah. forget about it. Yeah. I love this time of year when I feel like empowered that I can listen to that all the time without yeah. judgment. Um, <laughs> I remember once like years ago, uh, this is when I was working um, at Harvard in Mass Hall, the president's office, and I was playing that album. It was like the middle of summer or something, right? And this guy <laughs> comes in and it was three of us sitting in there in the office and he's like, you're listening to to charlie brown to the christmas album or something like that (laughs) and i said it's good jazz it's not the christmas album i listen to it all the time and i was trying to like deny that it was actually the christmas album and then the next song that came on they're like oh christmas tree oh christmas tree (laughs) i was like but it's so good it's good it's such a joyful album too it just i don't know it's It's just i just i feel like you could put happiness in a yes. piece of music, it would be that album. Yes, yes, yes. It just makes you feel, oh, and, and I just love, I love the Peanuts anyway. I, I you know, I love the, the Charlie Brown Christmas and the uh, the Thanksgiving one and the, what's yeah. the great pumpkin. Is that the Thanksgiving one? I don't know. Oh, I love um, the pumpkin one. I love the pumpkin one. Yeah. And of course, I've seen them like a million times. They've been around yeah. since, what, the 60s or something. But there's something... <laughs> so pure about all of those and it's reflected like in that soundtrack as well it is yeah i think you just yeah pure yeah that's the word 
Another jazz artist you might like um, is Diana Krall. I'm a huge Diana Krall fan. I don't know if you've ever listened oh, to her. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I just discovered her God, recently. Girl. Oh, my God. I have gone to so many of her concerts. I mean, really? I had a, a problem for a while. <laughs> I first saw her in concert when I was living in the Bay in San Francisco. So I saw her there, and I was just like, knock off my feet and yeah. then I subsequently uh saw her at another place in two other places in San Francisco and then I went to Canada to see her because she's from Vancouver Island so I was like I gotta go see her oh, in Canada okay like, she's yeah. home you so went I was, all the way to Canada I did I flew up there I mean it's like so easy from San Francisco I flew up there yeah. I made like a weekend of it and while I was there I went to um uh to the symphony as well so it was oh, just, like nice. this amazing weekend and I recently saw her, I guess this was last year in Chicago, she was playing. So I've probably seen her like, I don't know, like maybe seven times. And I'm wow, tempted. Wow, you're a committed fan. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to go. Um, she plays this festival like in Bali or something. And oh. I thought about like trying to do that. I mean, I haven't done that yet, obviously. But like my next one, maybe if she's playing in Paris, I would love to do that. Oh, but, that would be amazing. Oh, yeah. She's so good. And she has a good Christmas jazz album. And normally, I do not like Christmas music. The only Christmas music I can stand is the, the Charlie Brown one we talked about. Right. <laughs> and a couple of like old school ones from my youth. But um, this Christmas album of hers, it's not even new. It's probably like a decade old or something. But it's so good. It's so good. I have it on vinyl here. And I just like it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm going to have to put that on tonight because I've been getting a little bit, I mean, they're great songs, but I've been getting a little bit sick and tired of the same Rocking Around the Christmas Tree and yeah. just the same 10 songs same, that same. Yep. every Whole Foods and mm -hmm. Trader Joe's and CBS kind of plays on loop. I feel yeah. like I want a little variety, so I'm, I'm definitely going to check that out. I'm going to send you the link so you can get the right song, the oh, right album. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's my mission like, now. Find the right one. Not <laughs> not some nonsense on Pandora. I'm going to send you the right one. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I appreciate it. I always appreciate good jazz. <laughs> well, now that I know, you can expect some inbounds in your email. <laughs> oh, gosh. Thank you so much for coming on, Stephanie Catherine. I love this conversation. This was Thank so much you. fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's go it, it, it's really, it's gone by quickly. I feel like, oh, we just got started. <laughs> no, those are the best ones, aren't they? They are, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, folks. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of My Time, My Life. And until next time, take care. Bye. My Time, My Life with Trinette Faint is a Floor 51 production.